Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And I'm Nico Bakulich. And let's get biblical. Let's. Uh, first, we're going to go over some ground rules real quick. They're not really rules. I don't know why we called them that. <laughs> I'm the ex-Christian. Well, they take place on the ground. We're very grounded when we do them. Um, also, I mean, I'm not. <laughs> we're immune to shorting, of course, when we say the rules. Oh, okay. That's an electrical ground. Oh, great. Are we having fun yet? I love electrical rules. Okay. You said you're the ex-Christian. Yes. Explain. Um, was raised Christian, now an atheist. That was very fast. You caught yeah. me off guard. I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. Um, and usually this is the part where we'd say what kind of Bible we're reading. We'll get that to, to that in a sec. But we first will. I want to tell you that the this podcast, Sunday School Dropouts, is not a podcast for the Chillums. Um, it's also not a Bible study podcast. No. And um, we kind of warn people that there's often like um, violence and sexual assaults in uh, <laughs> biblical content. This episode, not so much, but there is a lot of sexual absurdity. So if you... <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the like TV warning would be for. Yeah. It's like rated MA for sexual absurdity. If you're not into that... What is that? You know, this might not be the episode if for you. If you're not into sexual absurdity... I can't imagine why you wouldn't be into it, though. <laughs> There's another reason why we should tell people that this is not a Bible study podcast this oh, week. Oh, you're right. What's that? It's a very special episode. Yes. And it's a special episode because we're covering... The Apocrypha. Yes, we're covering an apocryphum. <laughs> Something that is not in the Bible. It's uh, the book of Enoch. Mm -hmm. And it does exist in a few Bibles. It is canonical in a few churches. That's right. Do you know which churches those are? I do. Something about the way you started that sentence made me think that you were going to explain and then I just interrupted for no reason. Oh, yeah, I was going to explain. Um, so how are you doing this week? This week? <laughs> uh, I had a lot of work. I'm pretty sleep deprived. Okay. But the Book of Enoch, mm -hmm. it is a Jewish text, probably originally written in Hebrew and or Aramaic. Okay. But the only full surviving version that we have is in Ge'ez. Ge'ez. Which is a now dead language from Ethiopia. Um, but some churches there still use it for services, kind of like Catholics might use Latin for a mass mm -hmm. or used to. And, um, you know, you might read scriptures in ancient Hebrew instead of modern Hebrew or, you know, English or whatever. And so that is the the tradition in which the book of Enoch is canonical. Mm -hmm. It is in Ethiopian denominations of Christianity and Judaism. For example, Beta Israel. Yes. A lot of people don't know there actually historically has been a relatively large population of Jews in Ethiopia, although they've now mostly migrated to Israel. Mm -hmm. Um and they call themselves Beta Israel, which, which means, sounds like it should be a slam, frankly. <laughs> it means the house of Israel in Ge'ez, mm -hmm. um, which is similar to Hebrew because like in Hebrew it would be like Beit Israel. Um, so it is canonical in, in some of those denominations. Should it be? We'll find out. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's going to be weird. Okay. It's very long. It's very weird. It's attributed to... Enoch, mm -hmm. who is Noah's great-grandfather. Yeah, do you want me to run down the lineage here? Uh, sure. So Adam, he was the first man. I've heard of him. Uh, Adam to Seth, Seth to Enos, Enos to Canaan, Canaan to Malalil, Malalil to Jared, Jared to Enoch. Yes. So that's how far removed he is from the first man. Yes, not very. Not very. And um, he is the great-grandfather of Noah. Mm -hmm. And so this takes place very early in the timeline. Before the flood. Yes. 
before almost anything else in the Bible. But it was probably actually written between 300 and 100 BC. Interestingly, I read some some stuff about that. Oh, really? Tell me more, because I didn't really. There are different dates on different parts of the book. Uh-huh. So the first well, part. Well, that makes sense because there's some very different parts of this book. So the first part of the book is the it's called the Book of the Watchers, and we'll get to that in a second. But that's like the oldest part of this book. It's from like yeah, 300 to 100 BC. The s- proceeding sections, mm-hmm. some of them are from as late, supposedly as 100 CE. Mm, that's interesting. That's interesting, as we'll see. Yeah. So there's a lot of talk, a lot of debate about when this stuff is from. Rest assured, though, it's old and not a lot of people think it's religiously true. Yes, (laughs) because it's very strange when you when you it's not in our Bible. So we had to like look it up online and read Mm -hmm. it online. And when you look it up, it's on sites like hiddenbible.com and reluctantmessenger.com. I read it on reluctantmessenger.com, although their copy was just a transcription of a famous translation. mm. So it wasn't like. You know, I, I mean, I didn't do it side by side with the famous translation itself because I don't have access to those kind of academic resources. <laughs> academic resources? That's right. Academic racehorses? <laughs> like Seabiscuit? Like Seabiscuit, like Dr. Seabiscuit. <laughs> he, he didn't spend eight years in racehorse, at Racehorse University for you to call him nothing. I didn't call him nothing. I called him Seabiscuit. <laughs> um, so normally I read the New International Version of the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, but... Today I'm reading uh, just an uh, the HR or excuse me the RH Charles translation of the Book of Enoch. That's the that's the most famous one. Is that the one you're reading also? Uh mine was actually from the 70s, but it's based on that translation. Oh, I see. Okay. Um there's that one from which is from the early 20th century, uh-huh. 1906, I think yeah, if I remember something correctly. Yeah. Like yeah. The very first time it was translated to English was only like 100 years before that. Oh, that makes sense. Because, yeah, apparently there's a lot of different fragments of this text in mm-hmm. lots of different languages, but the only full one we have is in Gez. It's a it's a weird book. It's about messiahs and apocalypses. Should we dive in? I mean, those are two of my favorite things. <laughs> uh, you've never expressed those opinions before in the nine years that we've been really? doing. Really? But... I think there was a song I used to sing, something about uh, brown paper packages tied up with string. Uh Oh, raindrops on roses. Raindrops and roses. Messiah's apocalypses. Mm, yeah. Okay. You know what? That that does ring a bell. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. But let's get back to the holy book of Enoch. <laughs> no, here we're not in the holy book. Oh, okay. The holy book of Enoch. Yes. Ah, I should have waited you for finish. <laughs> you should have waited me for finish, <laughs> baby. Uh, shall we dive in? Yes, please. We start with a holy man named Enoch. Living in the day of tribulation when all the wicked and godless are to be removed. Right. So this is pre-flood, but he gets a vision of the coming flood. Yes. Like a very brief vision. Yes. Um, so that's like the, the beginning of this book. Mm-hmm. Kind of foreshadowing. Meanwhile, up in heaven, 200 angels see that human women are hot. <laughs> and they all make a pact to go get human women pregnant. I think – so here's how I read this part. I thought this was like – Bestiality but for angels? <laughs> I was not going to say like that. Like the equivalent, like humans and animals, like the equivalent, like angels and humans? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Already off the rails. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I was – the way I read this timeline is Enoch 
is like retelling the history of Earth so far. So like I think that the stuff with the angels happened in the past. It's not like happening right now. I, I think I think, I there think were, it is. It's happening right now. I mean, well, I mean, different parts of the book kind of seem to place it differently chronologically. Mm-hmm. But in this first section, like we have Enoch acting as a messenger to the angels. Oh, that's part. a good point. He's there. He's there on Earth when the angels get down there. Yeah. Okay, you're absolutely right. Um. So so yeah. So these these angels make this pact and they come down and they start getting human women pregnant. The Book of Enoch says, The sons of men multiply and daughters are born to them, elegant and beautiful. The angels say, Come, let us select for ourselves wives from the progeny of men and let us beget children. But the problem is that those children, being half angel and half human, Mm -hmm. uh, turn into giant monsters. Well, just giants, I guess. (laughs) Well, I don't know. They're pretty monstrous. They're 300 cubits tall, baby. Yeah, which is like... 900 feet? <laughs> or is it only 90 feet? Uh, Isn't a, cub- a cubit's halfway in between your... It's your fingertip to your elbow, right? Fingertip to your elbow, yeah. So it's like a foot and a half. Okay, so anyway, they're very tall people. Mm-hmm. And these are... Uh, like know, hundreds of feet tall is the, the point. The Nephilim and the Anakim, who like are mentioned in the canonical book of Genesis. They are. Um, right before the book, like the story of Noah. Mm-hmm. But here we get more detail about them. They they grow up to be extremely tall. Yes. They eat all the human food. and but They start once they come out of their, their mother's wombs, I assume very painfully. I don't want to be involved in that OBGYN practice. <laughs> you make it seem like you would, like you have a lot of experience in other OBGYN practices. Well, I mean, I do. Oh, okay. I didn't know about that. We're going to have to talk about this after the podcast. I didn't spend eight years in medical school for you to call me nothing. <laughs> Okay, let's let's uh, return to the giants. They eat everything. They come out ravenously hungry. Yes. And so first they start by eating men. No, first they start by eating like all the human food. Oh, that's right. They start with food, naturally. But then they eat that all really quickly because they're huge. Mm-hmm. So then they start eating humans and, and then animals. And then animals and then the each mu- other. And then each other and the wives of the angels. Yeah. Uh, so that sucks. <laughs> uh but also, in addition to this um, violation of the natural order, the angels also start teaching humans stuff they're not supposed to know. I love this. I think this is so interesting. Such as enchantments and root cutting. The angels take wives and teach them sorcery, incantations, and the dividing of roots and trees. Also, like astrology, constellations, the signs of the sun and the course of the moon. How to make swords and armor? How to make mirrors? Yes, that. How the, to do makeup? That last stuff all comes from one angel mm-hmm. named Azazel. He teaches them how to make weapons, jewelry, and makeup. Mm-hmm. And um, his name is Azazel, which has been used in a lot of different ways throughout history. You know, in pop culture, as like a demon or mm-hmm. a fallen angel or a scapegoat. Um, and in modern Hebrew today, to say "damn it," you say "lazazel." Really? Yeah. Huh. It's like the opposite of Lachaim. What happens when Azazel teaches these people to do these things? It says the world became altered. Impiety increased. Fornication multiplied. Yeah. Oh, Everybody's yeah, fornicating. Now that they have makeup and jewelry. I love that the idea that somebody could think that there was a world before mirrors, before war and makeup. Uh-huh. You know, like your reflection in the water is a mirror. Yeah. Narcissus uh, fell in love with it. He did. And so... The idea that, like, 
it took some great perversion of the natural order. Yeah. And th- th- this, will, this will come back. What this author chooses as the things that yes. are perversions of the natural human order, I think, are very interesting. So meanwhile, back up in heaven, the normal non-sex fiend angels. <laughs> the good angels, the archangels. Yeah. Michael, Uriel, Raphael, and Gabriel. And Suriel. They all notice what's going on down below. And they tell God. And God's like, oh, fuck, not again. Okay, (laughs) going to shut this down. And he tells the angels to go, like, tie Azazel and his buds up and cast them in a dark pit and get rid of all the fucked up giants and also uh, tell Noah that it's almost time. Now, for some reason, it falls to Enoch to deliver this message. This is this is weird. So I think isn't this one case where this is a classic man in the middle scenario. This is like a private eye playing both sides against the middle. This is like the the big Lebowski or something. Okay. Enoch gets hired basically by both sides to accomplish missions. The angels, the archangels, tell Enoch to uh, to warn Noah about the flood which we won't circle back to for a long time yeah. in the story. Oh, my God. This is, by the way, like, the by far the longest book, like three times as long as any other book that we've read so far. But at the same time, the fallen angels, Samyaza is their leader, they ask Enoch to start praying for them and to bring their case before God. Yeah. And so they write out some notes for Enoch to pass along to God. Mm-hmm. But Enoch falls asleep while reading these notes. And this is where everything goes off the rails because he begins to have these dream visions. Yes. And they are going to dominate the next million chapters of the Book of Enoch. So should we just dive into the dream? Yes. So when Enoch gets to visit places in his vision. Uh-huh. Like the angels take him up to heaven. Yeah. So kind he of. sees like God on his throne in like a flaming crystal palace and and then the angels take him to the end of the earth where the sun sets and um there's all these crazy things there's like a river of fire and there's seven mountains made out of precious stone mm-hmm. like pearl and alabaster and then beyond that is heaven and beyond heaven is a fiery abyss <laughs> um actually the translation that i'm reading calls it tartarus really yes that didn't happen in yours? No. I mean, because that is like the special hell in Greek mythology where the Olympians lock up the Titans after they defeat them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if that's just a, a weird translation thing. Yeah. Um, but so they, so uh, Enoch sees these, you know, these fiery pits of hell and uh, he learns that that's where they're going to put these uh, these bad horny angels that taught humans about jewelry. <laughs> yeah, he finds, I mean, they enumerate all of the, the various portions of hell that yeah. are assigned to the... To the uh, malicious actors in this scenario. Yeah. Interestingly, part of the punishment for these angels is that they'll never get to learn the final secrets of heaven. This book is obsessed with secrets. I know. Okay. We're definitely going to get into this. So, like, they like they already knew more than humans, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but they hadn't yet learned, like, all the mysteries of the universe. And mm-hmm. now they never will because they're going to get thrown mm-hmm. in hell. Because they can't get to hiddenbible.com. Yeah. <laughs> can't get to reluctantmessenger.com. Mm-hmm. So while he's so first of all, this whole trek through hell and heaven is mm-hmm. very reminiscent of Dante. That's true. He even has like a an angelic guide. Yeah. 
So among these things that he sees, there's some real trippy shit. For example, Mm -hmm. his angel guide shows him a place where they have locked up like a bunch of stars. Yeah. Rogue stars. Like actual stars from the sky. And those are the stars that disobeyed God. Yeah, they didn't come out at the correct time. (laughs) It's kind of terrifying because like you kind of think like, oh, God has control over all like natural phenomena. Mm -hmm. And like this passage posits that, yes, he does, but only because he can threaten nature with eternal torment in hell. (laughs) Like he can scare nature into obedience. Yeah. And I like the idea, I mean, when I think of stars being confined, I think of like locking them in their constellations. And that's the way God wants it. Like the constellations exist because God wants it to be that way. And earlier on in the book, it makes a clear point that like everything in the sky does what it does because that's what God wants. Mm -hmm. Like every single thing in the universe does does what it does because that's what God wants. And so like even the fundamental elements of the universe can disobey god yeah that's fucked up yeah uh he also sees always sees some smooth hollow pits um and Raphael, uh archangel and whiniest ninja turtle tells enoch that that's where they're gonna like he's got passion he's the most passionate ninja no turtle. he's not he's sarcastic and annoying <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna store human souls until judgment day in these smooth hollow pits and also oh also the ghost of abel is there yes <laughs> like begging for revenge on cain so that's very dante-ish that yeah he would point totally. out somebody that that il- it illustrates a point that the angel guide is trying to make yeah but there's only like a few generations of humans at all <laughs> so like he doesn't have that much to <laughs> not choose a from. deep yeah. not a deep pool of talents no not a deep bench um I've, they describe the mountains maybe like five times yeah three on the right three on the left one in the center where the seat of God is. Yes. All ringed by a holy fire. And and on this the seventh mountain, the mm-hmm. tallest mountain, um, uh, they see this beautiful fragrance tree. Mm. And Enoch's like, What's up with this tree? <laughs> and hey, Michael what's the deal with the tree? Michael, now we're on to Michael, and he's like, Why are you asking me this? And Enoch says, I wish to know about everything, but especially about this tree. <laughs> Enoch, you are not allowed to know stuff. You're a human. <laughs> All the other humans are out there getting fucked by angels and getting cannibalized by their freakish children <laughs> because they learned about root cutting. And you're going to go and just ask an archangel about this ineffable tree. Like, he does, though. Humans got kicked out of Eden for learning about trees. You cannot just ask about a tree. Mm-hmm. Balls of the Week Award goes to Enoch That's this week. That's true. I mean, that wasn't even that, that was just like his great great grandfather that got kicked out. Like, mm-hmm. it hasn't been that long. But there are two trees. There's one tree that the fruit of which gives long and fulfilling life to the righteous. And there's another tree that is the classic tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. They're both there in heaven. Yeah. I don't know what the point of having two trees is. And also, I was really confused by the description of the first because it says it doesn't give eternal life to the righteous, it gives long and fulfilling life yeah i'm like i guess Um, that's better than eternal life eternal life is a curse i mean my translation had something about like nobody's allowed to touch the tree (laughs) but on judgment day when all these souls are going to get sorted out of these Mm -hmm. pits out of the sorting pits yeah um this tree will be brought to heaven and then the souls of the righteous dead people will be able to enjoy the fruit yeah i didn't quite follow so does this seem like some sort of like really rudimentary heaven and hell kind of kind of thing i mean definitely 
But I also think this is like the inescapable loops that we were talking about last episode when hmm. you brought up uh, sphinx wasps, <laughs> aka sex sphinx wasps. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is like they're trying to reenact the same story, mm-hmm. like the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. except this time when you find the forbidden tree, like you don't eat from it. You know, and and then this time you get to eat from it later because mm. you were good. Yes, you're absolutely right. That it is like it's like Adam wasn't good enough. Well, Adam had Eve to tempt him. Yeah, and Eve had the snake. Yeah, who was also Azazel, 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 Azazel. <laughs> Could be, yeah. I think it says that. It does, but then also later it says like Godriel tempted Eve. So. <laughs> There's like the names are kind of mixed up. Yeah. But anyway, Enoch gets the chance to avoid the temptation and prove himself yeah. a real son of man. Yeah. Something that we'll be talking about in a second. Indeed. Um, so so yeah, the, these visions of like mountains and fiery pits and like the end of the world, uh, and whatever, those all get repeated multiple times throughout this book. Yeah, um, there's like a first run through where he like Visits all of the places, including yeah. a crazy, like, crystal chamber. Yeah. Which crystal I, Palace. I didn't really understand. Yeah, Crystal excellent, Palace. Like excellent the, soccer team. Like the football team, yeah. And the now defunct sculpture does it not exist anymore? I don't think it exists anymore. Okay, no. cool. I could be wrong. Okay. Um, but then it, like, loops back around on itself, and he starts the visit over again. He's like, then I had a vision where I was brought to heaven by an angel, and yeah. I was shown all these, and you're like, oh, no. And this repeats for, like, a hundred pages. Yeah, so long. So, interestingly, in one of these repetitions, the, like, forbidden knowledge that he seeks, Mm -hmm. instead of being the tree, it's about the Leviathan and the Behemoth. Oh, really? I missed that. Oh, really? Maybe from different translations. But what's great is that it says the Leviathan is a girl and the Behemoth is a boy. (laughs) So I told you. (laughs) Which is like the joke that we made in our Job episode, but now there's there's proof. So that's... um, Section one of five. That's that's what's called the Book of the Watchers. That's like yes. the interesting part of the Book of Enoch. Well, I, I mean, I think all of it is pretty interesting. Oh, but, that's good. Otherwise, we would not have a lot to talk about. But we, d- but we cannot fit most of it into this episode. Um, but let's move on to section two. Okay. That's uh, the Everybody parables. Everybody get, get out your section two handouts. This will be on the quiz. Don't tell me that you forgot your handouts. Was that a, was that a problem for you in school for getting your handouts? Uh, no, I mean it was always a potential problem. Oh. I feel like you don't forget your handout, like your handouts in your binder, right? <laughs> Unless your binder sucks. Yeah. Did you have a shitty binder problem in high school? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I just kept reusing them all over and over again, oh. and they would get all busted up. Oh, I'm sorry. And then I would get them, and they'd be too small. And then at, by the small? end of the year, they'd have too much stuff in them. I'm so sorry, baby. And I couldn't, like, get to everything easily. Oh. <laughs> or, it, the, like, the rings wouldn't close all the way. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. <laughs> okay. So section two is uh, is called parables. Stupidly. Because um, there yeah. are no parables in it. So they're, they're not really parables, like, in the sense of, like, the parables that Jesus told. That in the sense like, of the meaning of the word parable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where it's, like, a little narrative with, like, a moral lesson at the end. Um, it's like a curve or something. No, that's a parabola. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> that really got you, huh? I was trying to think of a, uh, something to add on, but then I, I was like, cerebellum, uh, parallelogram. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fantagram has a new record out. 
Did check really? it out. Yeah, they got a new one out. Hmm. First one was almost really good. It was almost really good. Just, oh, I wanted to love it so bad, but I couldn't quite. Anyway, um, but these parables do refer a lot to the son of man. Yes. And that is how Jesus is referred to yes. in the New Testament. Um, so anyway, after those parables, we get basically a retelling of the Noah myth, but from Noah's first person perspective, which is weird. <laughs> it's like weird to like grow up your whole life with one version of the Noah myth mm. and then get like all of a sudden now Noah's saying, I did this and I did that. Um, and so in this version, God tells him he's righteous and he's going to survive the destruction of the world, which is in line with our normal Noah myth in the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. But instead of specifying a flood, he talks about more about these like fiery abysses and valleys of flame where they're going to burn all the wicked angels who brought knowledge to the humans and being uh, imprisoned under the desert for 70 generations and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it lists some more things that angels taught humans mm -hmm. that are bad. Uh, one is abortion. <laughs> it's it's. Yeah, it's it says that like evil angels incited the wounds against uh, the embryos that caused miscarriages yes. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and also one is writing with pen and ink. This I wrote this down so hard. You don't even know because it's I was like apparently considered very bad and evil because it's spreading so much knowledge. I find this hilarious because this is a fucking book. And also they talk about later how important books are yes! and about how. You should set down all of the secret knowledge that you just gained yes. in a book. And I'm like, guys, you, I don't want to blow your mind right now, but a fucking evil angel taught you how to write. And you're like against that <laughs> as you use it and say how good it is. Um, so I think that's a good halfway point. I think so. Should we take a break? Please. All right. Um, let's take a break. Let's all uh, meditate on the concept of Noah. Sounds boring. And uh, we'll be back in a bit. That sounds boring. You sound boring. <laughs> You're right, Bapo. <laughs> All right, we'll see you in a second. Bye. Bye. Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Nico. And I'm Lauren. And we're talking about the book of Enoch. It is a apocryphal book, <laughs> not in the regular Bible, except in certain denominations of Ethiopian Christianity and Judaism. It's full of Ethiopian secrets. And we are learning some weird stuff. <laughs> like uh, how to make fucking tasty-ass flatbread, I assume. Oh, how to make a tasty injera. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I wish that was in the knowledge that was imparted, because <laughs> it is difficult. Um, so, section three of this book is called The Book of the Heavenly Luminaries. Oh, God. 
even hearing you say that makes me bored I because know. I just read this. And it's crazy. <laughs> well, so like we're we're forgetting about Noah for now. We're back to Enoch and Yeah, the Noah story just sort of tapers out, yeah, right? It yeah. doesn't it doesn't get to the flood, nothing happens. Not yet, no. We just jump into another thing. And uh we just have the angels describing astronomical activity to Enoch in exhaustive detail. <laughs> So I'm just going to read a tiny passage. Please. And uh, listeners, imagine this goes on for like 10 pages. On that day, the day is longer than the night by a ninth part, and the day amounts exactly to 10 parts and the night to eight parts. And the sun rises from that fourth portal and sets in the fourth and returns to the fifth portal of the east for 30 mornings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like talking about, it's all about how like days get longer and shorter and the phases like, of the moon, the phases of the moon. Um, and it's kind of surprisingly interesting, actually, to think about like ancient calendar making and like how they conceptualized. I think in terms of ancient calendar making, this is like high quality stuff. Yeah, it seems to be. However, we have fucking calendars on our phones. That's true. Um, so <laughs> one, one awkward thing about this mm -hmm. is that we learned in section one that the evil fuck angels <laughs> taught humans about like the sun and the moon and the stars they did and that was bad they taught them about a both astrology astronomy and the movement of the moon those were three separate evil yes. things that they taught them and but now we're getting that exact same information <laughs> but it's a good angel uriel mm -hmm. teaching enoch so i guess it's good now it's really like it's saying the evil thing was doing it like the knowledge isn't evil the fact that the evil angels taught it to humans but this is a, was the evil. Was this the is an angel thing. teaching it to a human exactly the same way. But he's like chosen by God. I see. Those other ones took those secrets that they had gotten from God uh -huh. and like went rogue with them. It's Illicit a classic, secrets. It's a classic broken arrow situation. They should have they should have honored their non-disclosure agreements or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And also they made a pact together. Did you remember that? Yeah, they made a pact to fuck human women yeah yeah and not to snitch on each other oh <laughs> i didn't read that clause because <laughs> sam yazel or whatever the fuck uh -huh. his name was was like if you guys get caught i'm gonna get all the blame for this so because you're gonna snitch to god so everybody make a pact that there's no snitching but then like michael and Raphael snitched anyway so <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point they did uh <laughs> earlier on in this section when Enoch is learning about the sun and the moon and stuff uh -huh. and the various gates of the sky and shit. Uh -huh. There's a brief passage where he sees God. Did you did you make a note of that? Not really, no. With them was the Ancient of Days, whose head was as white as wool and pure, and his robe was indescribable. <laughs> Seems a little lazy to describe his hair and then call his robe indescribable. Indescribable. <laughs> Whatever. Then I fell upon my face while all my flesh was dissolved and my spirit became changed. I cried out with a loud voice with a powerful spirit, blessing, glorifying, and exalting. And those blessings which proceeded from my mouth became acceptable in the presence of the Ancient of Days. Oh, wow. So that's what happens when you fall before God. <laughs> I mean, that's that mirrors something that happens like 15 times throughout this book. It does. But in that case, I just like that they there was a description of his hair and yes. his beard, yes. but his robe... It was indescribable. Indescribable. The craftsmanship. Um, the other awkward thing about this section is that the sun and the moon are personified as male and female. They ride in chariots, they do. um, and they have names. The, the moon has four names. Yes. The first is Asonia, the second, Ebla, the third, Benase, and the fourth, Ere. 
And then the son I had two names, and one of them was Tomas. <laughs> <laughs> I forget the other one. <laughs> Hola, Tomas. Bienvenido. <laughs> and um, I mean, that's like definitely considered idol worship by <laughs> the Israelites. That's yeah, like, you're definitely not um, supposed to like give the son names. That's like an explicit thing, I think. That's like supposed to incur God's wrath. But uh-huh. again, it's like for some reason that doesn't count here. You're starting to put together some of the pieces why this might have been cut out of the canon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, section four of this book, mm-hmm. uh, is dream visions, more dream visions. And, um, I don't think we really have time to get into this very much, but what I thought was interesting is that suddenly it gets very personal. So it's like Enoch addressing his son, Methuselah, mm-hmm. and saying like, oh, I had this vision before I married your mother. I had two visions. Yeah. Yeah. One when I was reading in my grandfather's house. Yes. Where he visits God and throws himself on the mercy of God and... And his flesh melts away and he shouts prayers at him. You know, just the, the usual. The same thing that I just read, basically, except yeah. in a different version. And the second vision is the insane one. Yes. And I don't think we have time to go into that much detail about it, but we do have to mention <laughs> that it involves stars coming down from the sky, getting out their dicks, and fucking cows. <laughs> like, it literally says... They let out their privy members. Like it, it's not just like, oh, they like lay with the cows. It's like says they get out their dicks and start fucking cows. And then the cows get pregnant with like elephants and camels and stuff. Just like do human you know, women. You do know what this vision is? I mean, it's like the angels coming down and producing Nephilim with the human women. Not just that. No, this vision is in symbolic language, the complete history of the world from the time of Adam down to the final judgment and the establishment of the messianic kingdom. Oh, so that's like, I mean, there's all these details that I didn't say. There's like a different colored bulls and... that's and, But it's got the story of Adam and Eve. It's got the story of I Abraham, see. Cain and Abel, Saul, I see. David, the Babylonian exile, the entire history of the Jewish people up till that point. But it's, they're not even Jewish yet. There's not even Abraham yet. I know, but this vision, this vision is the entire history of the of the Jewish people. It, but it's like not even... They haven't made a covenant. Like, it's not even Jewish yet. It's just, like, the first people to exist, according but, to this mythology. But what I'm saying is, I under I understand that. But the vision tells the entire biblical story that we've read so far. Yeah, okay. Except it, except all the Jews are cows and sheep yeah. and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then there is this insanely long description of, like, a sheep that turns into a man. Yes. And, leads all the sheep into a final battle against like the wolves and the lions yes. and then he takes all the righteous sheep to this beautiful heaven field and it's like um very very much about a messiah mm-hmm. and an apocalypse mm-hmm. in the exact same terms that that we'll see in the regular canonical bible like in the book of revelation mm-hmm Another reason that I think it was probably cut from the Bible lineup was this messianic stuff. Yes. But we'll talk about that. Um, also, it's it's interesting that it may have been written after Jesus. I thought this was written before Jesus and that like it was maybe forming the basis for some of the some of the writing about Jesus. Yeah. And not to get too deep into it, but like when Jesus arose, there was like a huge trend in messianic cults. Yes. Like he was like not the first. Right. Among, and, uh, among the Jews. Right. And I mean, there is a lot of messianic language that in the regular Bible that we just haven't really gotten into yet. Um, but yeah, so it is, it's strikingly similar to um, Christian 
Messiah es- literature? Eschatology. Eschatology. Ooh. Yeah. Look at that $10 word over here. Oh, yeah. You got the big brain on yeah. Brett. <laughs> I got a perfect score on my SAT verbal section. Anyway. <laughs> um, section five. Section five is pretty dull. Most of it is. It's a bunch of just like apocalyptically themed proverbs that we don't have to get into. Some transcribed sermons like... Do good, not evil, woe unto them, praise yeah. unto them, et cetera, et cetera. But then at the very end, there's a story about Noah's birth. This is insane. And it's what the fuck is this? Very strange. And it's still in these kind of- literally in like the 105th chapter out of 105. Yes. Well, it's 106 through 108 of 108 chapters. Oh, mine only had 105. Oh, really? With a missing 101st chapter. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Mine maybe just- there's some shit in there. <laughs> but regardless, it's the very last thing in an extremely long book, and it's about the birth of Noah. So the basic story is Methuselah has a son named Lamech, and Lamech comes Lamech gets really concerned when his baby boy is born, because when he was taken, quote, from the hand of the midwife, Lamech, his father, became afraid of him, and flying away, came to his own father, Methuselah, and said, I have begotten a son, unlike to other children. He is not human, but, resembling the offspring of the angels of heaven, is of a different nature from ours, being altogether unlike to us. Yes, and his eyes are as the rays of sun, and his countenance is glorious. It seems to me that he has not sprung from me, but from the angels. And it also talks about, like, his skin is, like, extremely white, Mm -hmm. and his blood is extremely red. Yes, um, and so we get this from like Enoch's point of view, who's Noah's great grandfather. And he's like, he's just kind of like, oh, don't worry. Uh, the world's going to end except for this kid. I already saw a vision about it. Like it's cool. <laughs> but, but for us, it's very strange. It is very strange. Because, I mean, it sounds like a description of uh, a messiah. But that description is so, so strange. Yes. And like, he thinks it's the offspring of angels but like elsewhere in this book the offspring of angels are, are giants monstrous yes um but like this one is like holy mm-hmm. he's the only righteous one and he's going to survive the flood but it's it's really weird because when we think about quote unquote the apocalypse mm-hmm. or an apocalypse we think of it as something in the future you know, something that's um, that we're waiting for and how it <clears throat> might be and how we might avoid it. Mm-hmm. Like that's to me that like is what an apocalypse is. It's, okay. it's always in the future. OK, but like this is using the exact same sort of language mm-hmm. and like very similar to the book of Revelation. But it's about an apocalypse in the past. Which. This Messiah figure of noah survived you're that's right he he was already a messiah but then like the story is being told from after that event when clearly the author can see that the world is not perfect right you know yeah so it's really weird it is strange it is strange this another strange thing is that so you would think that after describing all of the evil that the that these fallen angels brought to humanity that part of the apocalypse would be wiping out those that like evil knowledge from people yeah but it's just not yeah it has nothing to do with that yeah it just has to do with like basically 
cleaning up after the offspring of angels, like just cleaning up the last of them. But then even in Genesis, they laughed. They last after the flood. Yeah, because like the Israelites have to fight some of them. Remember, they do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they like still hang around. They're just some of them. So you're right. It's just it's so obviously a failed apocalypse. Yeah. So it's really weird because like <laughs> how could you put your how could you put your money on a on a real apocalypse when you've seen one that was in your estimation clearly divinely inspired? Yeah. Fail. I, it's I recently edited a book about world religions mm-hmm. and learned that like so many different world religions, not just Christianity and Judaism, but like Islam, Zoroastrianism, even like Eastern religions have a messiah figure and and like a judgment day. Right. Isn't there that there's another famous flood story even? Yeah. With uh Gilgamesh, the Yeah, yeah. Story of a Gilgamesh. lot of apparently a lot of like all over the world there's a lot of flood stories. So I don't know I don't know what it is. Like why do humans need to create an apocalypse, you know? Like what? What is so fundamental to the idea of like a messiah and an apocalypse that we keep coming up with it over thousands of years across the globe? It has. I. I don't know. It's something in our programming. Some combination of our, the way our brains are wired and the way we operate in social groups, has us dream of this end, this yeah. end moment. It's like we have to acknowledge our own death at some point as yeah. individuals, but as a group. Maybe you extrapolate the idea that every individual dies into the fact that every group dies and like what happens when a group passes out of existence. Yeah, I kind of think it's like a fantasy about if, you, if you're not able to deal with the concept of your own death, mm-hmm. which like no one is. Of course not. Um, that maybe you imagine it's not like I'm going to die and then the world's going to go on and I'm going to be forgotten. Mm. It's like I'm going to die and also the whole world is going to die with me. Yeah. And... That makes it all make a certain kind of sense. Yeah. And then also, like, it's not just that everybody's going to die, but they're going to be sorted into good and bad and everything's going to be fine. And then all of all of us good people are going to live forever. So I'm not really going to die. I'm just going to, like, live forever with the other good people, you know? And I think it also has to do with trying to come to terms with the existence of evil or what, like the banality of evil or whatever. <laughs> You're like, it exists. You know, there's no actual guiding hand like stopping people from doing evil or whatever but you have to know that at some point the fucking axe is coming down yeah. <laughs> and all this is getting sorted out and definitely i'm always on the good side well, <laughs> you know, like however whenever you define it you're one of the good people who's gonna get led to beautiful sheep field heaven i mean you can if you're making a justification so that you can like avoid cognitive dissonance and like get through your life of course you're gonna be one of yeah, the good people totally which is why you have to assemble complicated fantasies yeah so the other really striking thing about this book in addition to the messiah and apocalypse and stuff is um its relationship to the concept of learning things Mm -hmm. we were talking about this a little bit earlier with the secrets and everything because like on the one hand it says that learning things is the source of all evil yeah and humans should be blissfully ignorant about everything and then and even seemingly innocuous things like writing or root cutting are corruptive well root cutting is magic it's magic yeah it's a kind of magic i thought it was just like grafting plants no that's like that's like some kind of magic i assume i assume that's like you know cutting mandrake roots and like dipping them in fucking hair i thought it was just like fucking mendel crossbreeding some peas (laughs) well i mean that was unholy for a different reason (laughs) 
because it involved science. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, because he was a mason, that's why. Oh, oh. I don't know if he was a mason. <laughs> Mason, okay. Masons, please don't put me on blast. <laughs> <laughs> Mason side of Tumblr, please stay quiet. <laughs> um, but is there a Mason side of Tumblr? There's an everything side of Tumblr. So, so like all like knowledge is knowledge is corruptive. Knowledge is evil. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, our our hero Enoch is, is a cataloger of knowledge. And he's always asking questions. Uh-huh. He explicitly says, "I want to know about everything, but especially about this tree." <laughs> And the book itself passes on the very knowledge that it described as forbidden. You know, like, it was described as forbidden to know about the passage of the sun and moon and stars. Mm -hmm. But then, like, there is an insanely long and detailed description of the passage of the sun, moon, and stars. Mm -hmm. As well as the 12 gates of the day and the 12 gates of the year and the 12 gates that provide all the winds of the world. Three pointing in each cardinal cardinal direction. So it's it's weird. It's like what what is the relationship to knowledge here or I think, learning? So it's trying to justify this the like seeking of knowledge or whatever. And in, by doing that, it's like this knowledge was given to humans in an evil way, and mm-hmm. that was a sin mm-hmm. that those f- angels came down and spread both their corrupted blood and this corrupted knowledge the secret knowledge let's say it's not corrupted because it comes from god this is secret knowledge that they attained while they were angels but that sin has been atoned for there was the flood all of those angels were punished they're being kept under the desert now in special chambers that he was shown when he went to heaven well are they i mean i feel like that's always in the future the watcher the the punishment of the watchers yes they're always like oh yeah we're gonna throw them in there we're going to th- – it's definitely going to happen. But, like, we never actually see it happen. Yeah, the timeline gets a little complicated. I thought the part of the flood, though, was also the punishment of the Watchers and their – But I don't think we ever see the flood, do we? No, we don't. We don't. So it kind of, I guess it kind of is like an apocalypse, like a classical future apocalypse. A classical future apocalypse. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. But I think he's trying to, like – he being the author or whatever. Sure. They probably – They separate – the current search for knowledge from like the using of secrets for evil. Hmm. Like you can use secrets for evil, but like getting secrets the good way by like having an angel invite you up to heaven and then like talking to God and stuff. That's, that's still, legit. that's okay. okay. I kind of feel like I, I've kind of come to believe mm-hmm. while reading the Bible and also editing that book about world religions. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe this more metaphorically than literally, but also like a little bit literally. That the myth of, like, Eden okay. is kind of this weird evolutionary knowledge that we have in our genes somehow that, like, we used to be animals, like, we used to be apes, and we weren't burdened with all this extra knowledge and consciousness, mm. and... The genetic memory of a time before Before speech and yeah. before, yeah, before art and religion and stuff. Or just from that barrier period. Like, yeah. right when we got enough knowledge... But not too much. Right. When we were like above animals, uh-huh. but we weren't humans yet, you know? We didn't know how to destroy ourselves efficiently. Yeah. So then I kind of think like maybe heaven, the idea of like this heaven after after a final judgment day, is maybe sort of this fantasy of an evolutionary future where we're so developed and so evolved mm-hmm. that we can actually handle all this knowledge. 
and it's not a burden anymore. Mm. We understand everything, and we live forever. I mean, you know? that does sound that does sound like heaven and the singularity. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like Jesus is going to come down and put us all in the cloud. <laughs> I mean, Jesus is the internet. I mean, it's just going to. I mean, I do worship the internet. <laughs> But I would hang it up on a cross if given the opportunity. And there's going to be some fucking gloating ass sysadmin that names his AI program like after it's going to be named <laughs> Messiah, you know, or it's going to be named something. And then it's going to come back and bite him in it's the ass. It's going to bite him in the ass. Don't give your AIs cute names, everybody. Please. Thanks. <laughs> that would just be that would be good for humans. Like if we're going to lose, I want to lose to like. Roko's Basilisk. <laughs> <laughs> no, even that is has too much. uh too much flair to oh, it. Oh, okay. I want something neutral. You want to lose to like... I want to lose to like... C colon slash slash 285. I like this. Yeah, okay. like 285 revision number 0.9981, etc. Perfect. I don't want anything intelligible in it. I don't want it to have a poetically appropriate name. <laughs> I just want to die and get this over with. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> if we're going to die, can it not hurt our pride as well? <laughs> Well, you know, according to the Book of Enoch, it's it's going to hurt a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> it's, most of us are going to get thrown into one of several different uh, fiery pits. And that's the, the the traditional apocalypse yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. So is it time to rate this book? I believe it is time to rate this book. Okay. So how would you rate this book, my dear? I'm going to give it 9 out of 13 pervosexual angels. <laughs> Um, because I mean, it was wacky. Mm -hmm. It was very entertaining to read. Um, but it was also really long. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta use an editor. There was a lot of repetition. Oh yeah, they hadn't invented editors yet, though. Oh, the evil angels hadn't taught them. Hadn't taught them editing. editing. They just taught, they them, taught writing. them writing. Yeah. writing. <laughs> it's like that thing that uh, craftsmen create and artists edit. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. It, it It's weird because it's like, on the one hand, extremely familiar um, because it sounds a lot like Revelation. Mm -hmm. and, um, the general ideas of like a messiah and an apocalypse are very familiar to me. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, it's also really foreign. But the messianic stuff is only like the back half of it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, certainly like angels coming down. That's you got to say that's original. That's weird. It's and it's super foreign, but it like is presented in a way that's like similar to hmm. the way the rest of the Bible is presented. So it's like it's weird. It's like familiar and, and unfamiliar at the same time. When you're raised Christian, but you haven't read the Bible through, mm -hmm. you know, like you've read a lot of different excerpts of the bible but you haven't read the bible through and you kind of like always hope that there's like something like this hiding <laughs> that in there's there. some secret you know secret and you're like stuff, yeah. oh yeah like i just haven't read that part but it's in there and uh -huh. like and like shit is crazy and fucked up and like god's gonna do some weird shit um so it's kind of fun to read that yeah how about you how would you read the book i mean i before you said anything i was gonna give it 10 out of 14 ah bloodthirsty giants uh, okay so our ratings are very similar yes um and for many of the same reasons because i here we go pros mm -hmm. i love the book of the watchers the first part where even after the creation of first sin out of the garden of eden 
there was still a moment when humanity needed to like get more evil <laughs> and like some fucking a host of rogue angels came down from heaven because they saw that we were easy picking and shared their secrets with us including the secrets of makeup and mirrors and swords yeah and they taught us how to wage war and stuff which is just striking me for the first time what does it mean that humans didn't know about war but god did yeah oh that's interesting that's super interesting. Why does and God knows about makeup? Like, where did he learn that secret? Yeah, where? Why did God even think of that if he didn't want humans to have it? Are the angels wearing makeup? No, they might be. They look great. They, I mean, they must. They do seduce all these women. But that, and then, and then the idea of it creating this hybrid race of evil giants—that's classic fucking top-notch insane mystical stuff Mm -hmm. in my opinion also Mm -hmm. reminds me a lot of the series of doris lessing books uh cannabis and argus oh i have not read those which i cannot recommend highly enough for some absolutely bizarre mystical sci-fi when she got after she did her realism and everything she got religion and did this strange sci-fi series that also includes part of the books is the death of the giants um and the giants live in like this parallel spiritual oh, wow. realm. She made the death of the giants very tragic. And that's what sort of came through to hmm. me. I'm not sure what it's supposed to mean <laughs> in this book that the that the giants die. But I mean, the giants didn't ask to be created. That's true. They're just. They're Neither just... did I. I didn't have to be born, mom. <laughs> You're right, honey. <laughs> I apologize. I'll put you back right now. <laughs> Is that what you wanted to hear? Uh, no. Uh, frankly, no. Cons. The book has a ton of repetition. Yes. The parts that are basically like repeated uh, sermons or like the woe to and the exaltations of. Mm-hmm. It's just bad, man. Like we've read better prayers in, in the real Bible. That's true. They may have just been better translated, though. That's true. Because there hasn't been as much translation effort. It hasn't been as streamlined. Also, like, I think there is a fair amount of editing done to stuff that's in the canon. A lot of it happened a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But in order to get, like, winnowed down and become part of the canon, it did have to go to un- undergo editing. Yeah, definitely. So this was just, like, a separate book that I think people thought was holy, but, like, never really underwent the the full editing process in order to make it up to standards. Yeah. And I assume it was, like, the blasphemous stuff about angels doing evil <laughs> yeah and about the visions of of heaven and hell and and everything that prevented it from getting into the canon but i if, mean if there's it made lots it, of stuff in here <laughs> that's problematic and, yeah. yeah i mean certainly from like a christian perspective sure all this stuff about noah sounds very blasphemous yeah and from a jewish perspective the, the stuff about heaven is like it's, that's i'm not sure that's 100 percent how that works mm. And all the stuff about angels, because I think they have their whole like Kabbalah thing about the ranks of angels. And they I don't got know. they got angel stuff, too. I don't know. But did might... you know that one of the six pillars of Islam is believing in angels? I didn't know that. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that is weird. P.S. We're never doing the Quran. No. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> but, for asking, everybody. Yeah. Several people have asked us. The answer is no. But one of the six pillars is believing in angels. Anyway, that's my rating. Overall, positive experience. Yes. Very happy to have read it. Don't need to read it again. (laughs) Probably not. So that is going to do it for this week's episode of Sunday School Dropouts. And uh, we will be back to our regularly scheduled uh, Ecclesiastes next week. Back to regular Mr. Bibble. Yes. 
in the meantime, thank you to Elise Carlton for our beautiful logo. And thank you to Nico for our music and sound engineering. You're very welcome. Thank you to Lauren. Me? Yes, for being an adorable Bapo who's <laughs> doing great. Hi. Plus, you can find us on Twitter at Sunschool Drop. And on Facebook, Sunday School Dropouts. Um, we actually have a few less Facebook likes than this other page of Sunday School Dropouts. That's like a stupid improv troupe. Actually, I don't know if they're stupid. They could be great. I don't know. But you I think should... they're sketch, not improv also. Oh, okay. Regardless, you should thumb us up on Facebook so that we can beat them. Yes, help us win, yeah. everyone. Yeah, give us some thumbs. Also, if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, it's very helpful in order for other like-minded, lovely individuals like yourselves to find the podcast. It's so helpful. Super helpful. It's It'll take you 30 seconds. Just give us, you know, five out of five fuck angels. <laughs> oh, and then yeah, give us that. <laughs> and then... I would say no normally, but I think, yeah. I think, yeah, give us five out of five <laughs> fuck angels. And then just write like, yeah, this podcast rolls. <laughs> and then you're done. And we get like a huge benefit out of that. And you might get banned from the iTunes yeah, store. Yeah, <laughs> well, there's that too. But uh, if you want to complain about us begging for iTunes reviews or you have any other comments or questions, you can email us at contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. And you can uh, visit our website at sundayschooldropouts.lol. That is the end of the show. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, we love you very much. Well, we love you. We love we, I wouldn't say we're in love. <laughs> I mean, it's it's us, not you. I mean, it's definitely us, not you. I mean, if there's anything else that you can take away from the podcast, it's us, not you. Uh, in conclusion, I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we'll see you on Sunday. Bye. Yeah.